0: Member Girls is a really important song and I've heard it a zillion times in my life but this morning I stumbled across this release that is a bunch of studio outtakes and studio rehearsal pieces of Big Star's output right and our world is littered with these incredible moments right these these diamonds these how do I how do you describe a bigger treasure than a diamond Sean help me that's all I got I think that's it. Good, burri- yeah. a good burrito. Yeah, a signed burrito. Yeah, okay. autographed burrito. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, I heard that this morning, and you know, it's not as polished or as beautiful or as evocative as the original, but it's so crucial because it's part of that connective tissue, and we've talked about this the last few <clears throat> podcasts. By the way, my name is Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean. Oh, hello, Brian. Good to see you. Uh, episode 204 of the Brian Oak Show podcast here in the Smart Start MN studio, and the connective tissue of what we do here. Here, no matter who we're talking to musicians, directors, bakers, entrepreneurs professional knife throwers whoever the case might be we always ask them to share their music and we talked about this connective tissue of where how we get from point a to point b to to point c to point d to more points in our lives than there are letters in the alphabet and so hearing something like that this morning for the first time was really informative for me it was actually joyous right because like it's like no that's not anywhere near as polished as the finished version still fucking glorious. Yeah. Um, I don't think, by the way, we're not going to talk to them just yet, but I don't think we've told our guests that there's no limit to swearing or what you can say other than hate speech. If you've come here to denigrate any other human <laughs> being, then you're not allowed. Other than that, though, I don't think we're probably going to get there. We probably should have covered that before we turned on the microphone. Well, it depends on the human being. I think we should preface that. We are. <laughs> oh, right. Because Donald Trump can fucking suck a turd-shaped dick all day, every day. That was too much. I'm sorry. I went too far. (laughs) Uh, I do want to thank, we'll we'll talk to our guests here momentarily, but I do want to thank. (laughs) I meant a turd flavored dick. I said it wrong. Okay. I I screwed it up. All right. May have to edit that out later. we'll, We'll Anyway, uh, the Smart Start MN Studios, where we're recording right now in South Minneapolis, 48th in Chicago, very near the Parkway Theater, which tonight is going to be the scene of a really incredible moment. It's going to be an incredible film. There are going to be members of the band there. Uh, Somebody whose name shall not be mentioned on this show is going to be taking care of the interview, um, the, the, it, but it's going to be a cool night. It's all part of Sound Unseen. We've made our last four shows, this one included, about the Sound Unseen Music Festival. Easily one of the coolest film festivals on planet Earth, but when you find that intersection of cinema and music, to me, that's a weird spot, man. Making a good movie is hard enough. Making a good song mm. is hard enough. You find a way to tell a good story about music with your love of cinema, that's That's next level stuff. But before we get there and talk to today's guests who are helping us round out this year's Sound Unseen, uh, I do want to thank Smart Start MN. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. All that means, it's very simple. You screwed up. You drank and you drove and you got popped. And that's the end of the road, right? It's over. You're fucked. Not necessarily. Smart Start MN, years, decades ago, Worked with the people here in Minnesota, the legislature, the judiciary, and they helped find a way to get people back on the road, provided they abided by the rules. So how are you going to do that? Ah, that's where the secret lies. Smartstartmn.com slash The Brian Oaks Show. You learn more about the ignition interlock system, and you learn how you can get 20% off the ignition interlock system installation in your vehicle. That's right. Did I cover everything? Yeah, you just blow into the thing and you can drive as long as you're... Clean. It's literally... A breathalyzer in your car. Yeah. But it's more than that because imagine the first time they approached the legislature, like, what if we just let people drive if they blow clean? The legislature's like, don't. (laughs) don't." They did years of work to make this happen, but now they are the originators. A lot of carpetbaggers have come to town, and that's not cool. You get a hold of smartstartmn.com and find out more. Also, Sean Bernard, let's take care of you before we go any further as well. You, in addition to being my friend, my colleague, my ally, producer co-llc owner you're also a realtor for edina realty 50th and france location how are things going they're going great i got to show a house
1: with this flooring in it this morning i'll let everybody here see this
0: how many people did you know have Oof. that flooring my parents, when I was growing up, they had not only dark brown and bright orange for mica in the kitchen, but they had a wallpaper in the kitchen. There was not only Paisley, which by the way, I am deeply fond of. oh, yeah, but there were portions of the Paisley that were fuzzy, so if you touched the wallpaper, it had different textural. Connotations oh and values. Like no, it was real. Sensitive,
1: heat, heat sensitive type of I don't, stuff. I don't know about that. I,
0: I'm not sure. I was a, a young, very young boy. Yeah. Anyway, that that flooring makes me think of that era. Like, oof, that linoleum's going to have to go.
1: Very cool house, uh but you can you can easily take care of the linoleum. Linoleum. I can barely say that word. But, or
0: if you're cool, you can keep it. Well,
1: so I'd probably cover it up. Up to the individual. <laughs> exactly. Six one two eight five nine two five nine four. If you know somebody who's buying or selling a home, and then. I donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or musician. The pandemic hit artists really hard, and uh, it's just something I believe in. It allows me to support local musicians uh, and keep them making their art making their music so 612-859-2594
0: so the last few episodes of the podcast have been strictly focused around sound unseen so many great artists that's the weird thing about music right you don't have to love all of it but the stories behind it that even if you someone's like i like this band and i like this band they might be diametrically Mm -hmm. opposed but uh, you both share that love of what music means and then we bring it into the film world which i am Utterly ignorant about. So, Balen, I'm apologizing in advance because I am an idiot when it comes to filmmaking. <laughs> that being said, I am a deep, deep music lover. Material Issue, one of the greatest American power pop bands, cut short in its prime, but still in existence today made music that I think that there's not any single person listening who hasn't heard, who doesn't know about, who doesn't know anything about. And we're going to go so deep on that coming up just ahead. But before we get there, I have some friends who, mutual friends, who share my love of music, right? We don't all love the same bands, but we all love to explore that connective tissue, that background story, that where did this come from? How does that relate to that thing? How does this do that? So I don't pretend to be an expert on Chicago Power Pop, our Illinois power Pop, but some there are two bands I know of that are well, okay three if you want to count cheap trick and i 'm not i 'm not denigrating cheap trick because cheap trick fucking rules, but bands that i hadn 't heard of before a couple of years ago, and i 'm a grown man i 'm in fact i 'm aging out i 'm not going to be here much longer <laughs> um, but I mean off Broadway is a band i 'd never heard of before until a good friend of mine 's like, "Oh no, 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 you like power pop you got to hear them and then he told me about another band called Shoes and I'm like Shoes is one of the worst names I've ever heard of in my entire <laughs> life. Then I went back to their late 70s through their 90s output and I'm like I was wrong. This is one of the best bands I've ever heard. Here's Shoes Animal Attraction on the Brian Oak show. So, one of the great things about um, being alive, right, is learning and paying attention. And the worst people I've ever met are the people who are like, "I already knew that. I already knew that." Oh, you know what? I knew that person before you knew him. Fuck off. Okay, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not what that's not what the game is about, man. It's about learning. It's about growing. It's about enjoying the times together. Prior to three years ago, I'd never even heard of the band Shoes, let alone off Broadway or other many brilliant Illinois acts, right? And so I have a friend, Rick Mank, who um, has been, you know, the primary force behind so many bands Velvet Crush, the Springfields, probably most notably in the last, I don't know, I hate to date him or me, three decades, the drummer for Matthew Sweet. I work with him at a record store now on the regular in the Western suburbs, and he is a wonderful resource. In fact, an invaluable resource. I love finding people who know about, know more about music than me. It's not threatening at all. It's, it's a fountain of wealth and information, right? I mean, this is what it's all about. Let's learn, let's grow, and let's, let's keep that connective tissue together. Anyway, I'd never heard of shoes before a couple of years ago. Animal Attraction, that's a song we heard right there. I'm Brian Oak. That's Sean Bernard. So, we're talking about sound unseen we're talking about the 22nd annual festival soundunseen.com and although it's drawing to a close the cool thing about the hybrid world that we live in now both real everyday showing up being in person and the the virtual part of it is that you can continue to enjoy sound unseen for at least several days after the official festival is over tonight one of the highlights if not In my humble opinion, the crown jewel of this year's festival is the movie about material issue, uh, which is called Out of Time, the material issue story, which is happening at the parkway theater
1: oh you got it that time
0: thank you for once i finally fucking got it uh and a couple members of material issue are going to be there as well as the director balen schneider and we are lucky enough to have mike drummer for the band here with us right now as well as balen gentlemen hello to both of you hello
2: Hello, how's
0: it going? Good. Great to have you both here. So I have a tendency to talk a lot. After almost 30 years in radio, I'm a real jabberer. So I'll try to keep my part to a minimum as long as you two keep it interesting. Um, (laughs) I am a huge music fan, so I want to kind of bounce back and forth between the two of you. Uh, First of all, Mike, uh, I want to ask you, you know, you are a drummer and you have played With a lot of people, including the band we just heard, Shoes, am I right? Yeah, I played on that track you just played. Yeah, and the reason I know that is because my buddy Rick Mank is like, hey, uh, make sure you say hello to Mike for me. So, hello. Hello. From Rick, (laughs) um, who, by the way, is about as cool as it gets, right? We we love Rick, old friend. Uh, I, I mean, like, understated, mellow, not like, you know, you meet certain cool record music musician people who are... Let's be honest, a pain in the ass, right? But he—he's not one of those. He's—he is a wonderful, wonderful guy, and he wanted to make sure I gave you his best. So, but you played on shoes. But long before that, at some point, you growing up in Illinois. Did you grew up in Chicago. Where yeah, you grow? in the
3: city in Chicago in the city. northwest so, side.
0: Yeah. When do you start hitting? or when do you start playing drums? When does music? Obviously, we all grew up loving music, right? You're listening to radio. You have your parents' record collection, whatever, wherever it is you first find it. When do you realize? Oh shit, no, I'm doing this. I'm playing music. Uh pretty
3: early, uh ten years old, uh started get, getting to where I was, all I cared about was music and thought about it at a young age like that. And uh And do you st- have did st- you have
0: drums already no. at
3: ten? No my my parents are, like, from Eastern Europe, and the coolest thing they ever had in their record collection was, like, Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, your last name is Zelenko, yeah. which, I mean, you could almost be an insane clown Yeah last name <laughs> well, right they're, now, they're, so. That's Ukrainian. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So so no drums. So at what point do you finally get access to intro- instruments and decide you're going to be a musician? Uh, well, this guy down the street, his name's Todd Moriarty. He needs a shout out.
3: Uh, a little bit older than me and uh in the late 70s early 80s he was the cool rocker guy with long hair and uh and you know i knew he played drums and he was really good so i just went down there one day and knocked on his door and said uh, you know i want you to teach me how to play the drums literally out of nowhere like, yeah so you only i kind of knew his I mean, brother you and stuff i kind of yeah. knew him he
0: bought weed from him stuff like that but um, <laughs> yeah. well uh, no not this guy <laughs> <I enjoy it. laughs> but you knew he played drums and you literally approached him and like
3: i would like to learn how to do this yeah and and, and i knew that it was good because i'd heard him like through the window you know because he lived like you know a block away and i knew his brother he was a couple years older than me right. so he was like yeah sure well why don't you come on on sunday i've got a gig and you can help me set up the drums like, okay, cool. So I I go there and we go to this like mega church out in the suburbs and it's like full on mega church thing, which I'd never even <laughs> been in one of those things before. You there's know. like
0: five thousand people. Yeah, there a the lot side. of people there. Anyway, the band is like this rock right.
3: band, and here he is like going you know, just wailing to these Jesus songs. And, uh, and I, I, I didn't, you know, when, you know, that age, I, I didn't, I didn't have an opinion about anything like that. I wasn't course. like, I was just kind of like, oh, it's true. It's like, and I mean, if you know the church, the kind of church, and he won't raise that religious or anything, but you know, a traditional
0: European church is f- f- the farthest from the, from the, anyway, that he, uh, <laughs> Wait, sir, they- are you telling me that like bands like, um, Manheim steamroller, not Manheim steamroller. Who am I thinking of? Who, who does the Epic Christmas stuff? Um, Oh, you know what? Oh, uh, like, no, I
1: totally know. Um, Trans yes. yeah. yep, yep, Siberian Express, orchestra. Trans <laughs> Siberian Orchestra. So you're
0: telling me, growing up in an Eastern European church around the holidays, you're at the you're a tender young age, you're getting the full lights and smoke mm-hmm. and explosion of Trans Siberian Orchestra. No,
3: it's more like a, no, 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 no. It's really kind of dark. A lot of droning. It's pretty stuff. cool. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. It's it's really dark
0: musically. It's 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 dark. Uh, it is. <laughs> That's all right. I'd burn a stave, Church. Yeah. Now, okay, now we're going to jump. We're going to jump back and forth because I also love having the director of a film here as much as I like digging deep on music, right? I also like to dig deep on film. Bailen Schneider, you are a filmmaker. Where are you from? I'm originally from Topeka, Kansas. Okay, and and then how do you... What's the first time... Cause to me, the the fomentation, right? the That moment where the creative spark strikes is to me, is the fascinating part. Like, it doesn't mean, just because you love something doesn't mean you get to be good at it or have any success at it, right? I mean, you love something, but all of a sudden you're like, so, I mean, where do you first get a camera? Where do you first decide you're going to do anything even vaguely film-related? When does that happen? Because you're a young guy.
2: Yeah, I think um, I got, like, a DSLR when I was, like, 15, probably. Yeah, what the hell's a DSLR? I'm not familiar. (laughs) Like a digital camera. Okay, all right. Uh, Like what you take photos on. Uh, But really, even when I started the documentary, I was 18 and um, didn't really know what I was doing, probably.
0: How long has the documentary been in the works? Three years now, yeah. Okay. Are you telling me you're 21 years old right now? Yes, I am. You son of a bitch. Unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, nothing personal, man, but 21. Lucky. All right. So you, and now again, but this leads back to my original point, right? Like just because you love something doesn't mean you get to be good at it. How does a 21-year-old get to be the head of a documentary about a band who had their frankly commercial and critical pinnacle before you were born how does that come to be yeah
2: i think a lot of it was actually like mike and ted and jim's family too were very um good at kind of like letting me do what i wanted And I think probably with, you know, music and film, a lot of times there's, you know, involvement from, you know, higher-ups, if that's the record label or an executive producer. Right. And they just kind of let me have my vision and do what I wanted, and I think that is what led to it being
0: successful, probably. We missed a crucial point in there, though. I mean, like, how do you even cross paths to begin with? Like, how... And again, I'm not asking for anything too deep, and if it's weird or if your mom hooked you up with them or whatever, I don't need to know about it, but how do you even cross paths with material issue, or how do you even become interested in their material in the first place?
2: I think it was like I knew Valerie Loves Me, and then, Mm. of course, got in the first album, and then I knew the story somehow, like probably from online, and then I think I just bugged Mike and Ted online. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah... uh, I think you said that
3: you had relatives that were fans of ours too. That, yeah, like it, my yeah. aunt knew their band, yeah. but
2: that's not how I knew it. But I just I just annoyed Mike and Ted until they did their first interview. Right. right. that. And then and that's not even Mike's interview that's in the film. Um and then we just kinda kept going for
3: Well, uh, and you know, initially when we were approached, we've been approached about stuff like this. It seems like every couple of years, something. And I have and to it was- imagine
0: it's been almost incessant. I mean, you know, you're not the first. Again, people my age, right? Well past double mm-hmm. your age, Balin, um, have been obsessed with this band forever. And of course, there was a tragic loss early on. And that changes the nature of everything. But I don't think the fascination has ever ended with your band. Um, that's great to hear from Someone outside of it, because well, I don't I don't have a good
3: way of knowing that. Right. right. Other than, um, you know, knowing that it still gets airplay all over the country and, yeah. and, and in, in England and Japan as well, uh, especially with, uh, you know, uh, non-traditional radio formats uh, or they're traditional or they're, they're standard now. But anyway, yeah. I'll get a I'll get a text or, 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 or something saying like, you know, just heard what girls want on the radio from someone out in L.A. or Texas. Right. And right. Uh, so that's the only gauge I have as far as like legacy wise what the people out there know and what they think of us but definitely from feedback from our fans and uh since we started doing shows again like 10 years ago uh they've all been very uh received well well attended and with lots of excitement so uh we know just from people telling us that they that they love
0: the the group Allow me to assure you that this, when, you know, I, I'm not given to hyperbole, and I don't necessarily like to blow smoke up the ass of the people who are guests on my show. I'll be kind, and we'll have a decent conversation. Material Issue is one of the greatest American power pop bands of all time. Now, part of it's provincial, right? Upper Midwest, because we are considered largely flyover country. Even a place that has a town as cool as Chicago Minneapolis obviously has this unbelievably rich legacy. Despite that, people still think of this as flyover country. They'll gladly pass by because it's not the easiest routing when a band goes on tour, right? So Upper Midwest is cool, but material issue is fucking rad. And, you know, before we talk to either of these gentlemen any further, we're going to hear some material issue from that release, International Pop Overthrow, which... I'm trying not to be hyperbolic. I'm trying not to be a slathering fanboy, but I don't know how to introduce without doing it, so I'm not going to, other than to let you know, this album is finally going to be released on vinyl here in the USA for the first time ever. We'll talk a little bit about that next on The Brian Oak Show. tonight just up the street at the parkway theater is going to be the film out of time the story of material issue a band cut short in its prime through tragic circumstance but the story has been by all accounts i have yet to see it told beautifully by the director balen schneider who joins us right now uh what is it that appeals to you i mean because here's the deal right like so if you want to be a painter It's just you and the canvas. If you want to be a musician, you can sit in your room for hours, days, weeks, months, years playing your guitar until you hone your craft. Even if you have the cooperation of the people who are involved, the number of moving pieces involved in filmmaking are stultifying to me, right? Like, I mean, like it it, it makes my brain crazy. And so you have to not only have a love for the thing that you're doing as an independent filmmaker, but you have to have a almost ridiculous amount of patience. Why does filmmaking appeal to you like it does?
2: Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of it's like opening presents on Christmas. Like (laughs) there was times where, you know, like I would find video of material issue um, like on tour or in the studio that was like, you know, almost like made it all worth it, the five months it took to get the person to mail you the footage and that kind of thing. Um, and Just like, I don't know, the whole of putting it all together to kind of like make it into, um, you know, one project after it's kind of been in these small little parts for three different years.
0: Right, and telling the story is great, but I mean, like, again, creating your own thing out of nothing, although difficult, the the amount of approval I imagine that you have to have gotten from other uh, other filmmakers, from the record label, from anybody who has any licensing concern whatsoever... I mean, your job is equal parts artistic expression and fucking red tape. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's gotta be. Uh, No, it's been misery. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's very challenging.
2: Um, It is not easy to. I mean, documentary is nice because it's like journalism and there's a lot of fair use. But um, it's very difficult to like, um, you know, work with uh, people who own stuff that don't want to work back with you. So.
0: Put, I'll leave it at that. Right, but, and that. And that's fine. Again, I'm not. I, I never ever look for dirt. I just like to understand the nature of the work that people do who come in. So, Mike, you're a drummer, right? And you're in a band that's suddenly gaining some traction. And your band has chosen an interesting path in the late '80s to the early '90s. Right? Things are obviously changing now. You weren't the only bands to traverse the power pop. Ropes, right? I mean, there were others. Posies come to mind. I mean, there are a bunch of others as well. But that was not necessarily where popular music was going, but it was your muse. Why did you and your cohorts, including Jim, why was this the thing you wanted to do? What was informing you when you sat down? Because rehearsals are drag and writing songs can be a real chore. Why was this the direction you wanted to go? Mm. Well, when
3: the band, when. When it was, the band finally became the three of us and, and, and you know, and then from forward, Jim and I were really like into, um, well, all three of us were into like 70s hard rock and every, all the other rock music that everybody else our age was into. Right. Um, and then there were the- And when the, you talk the, hard the, rock, you talking like- AC, DC, Aerosmith- uh, Amen, brother. Lentz- yeah, I mean, uh, we love you know uh, Thin Lizzy. we big Thin Lizzy fans. But, but throw me a Judas Priest. Throw a Judas Priest. Okay, and, and other that's British that's metal all bands here. That's and all other I British metal bands. And, yeah, and, yeah. Um, but then, uh, as as uh, uh, you know, it wasn't really like, oh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna um, be a power pop band or a mod revivalist band. Right. Um, we were really at the beginning interested in just being a independent rock band college radio rock band mm-hmm. and just wearing our influences on our sleeves and the, the 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 genre of late 70s power pop uh like cheap trick shoes off-broadway were big off-broadway fans band from chicago that had a regional success uh i almost played off-broadway uh, instead of shoes but uh, i knew you played on that shoes record. um and and what we what, what appealed to us about that genre um is uh, that those bands kind of rock, you know, off Broadway uh, is rock band uh, with great catchy songs. And, Cheap Trick is and a cheap, rock band, right? And we, we worship Cheap Trick. so uh. but,
0: but also, Material Issue is a rock band. Yeah. Now, it, it makes me think, when I was thinking about why I love Material Issue so much. I, 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 so we talked about Minneapolis in the early 80s, right? When Husker du came along, hardcore, I went to hardcore shows that were just pure noise and were grinding around in a circle, doing the mosh pit, and it was amazing. That sort of teenage youth. But the reason that Husker du stuck out for me is no matter how fast they went, no matter how loud they got, there was always a song at the heart of it. There was always melody. There was often harmony. There was always a real song in the center of all that chaos. And I think that, that power pop does the same thing when they rock. They also, they never, ever, ever forgot melody. No. And, and, uh, we, we are, we were, our
3: who's could fans and huge replacements fans. Um, so when early on, when we were uh, doing our thing, we we weren't really consciously trying to be like, well, let's, let's sound like the skinny tie bands. Let's sound like the knack. <laughs> let's definitely try to sound like cheap trick, but right. you know, we, we wanted to form our own thing. But back then the replacements and who's good were our contemporaries. They were bands that, you know, this I'm talking about like 88, 89 when, yeah. when our band first started, uh, they started to, you know, really start doing stuff. Um, so, you know, the replacements are they a power pop band? I mean, they're yes, they, they are. They in, are, in
0: my humble opinion, are they? Are they a? Are they a, a rock band? Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, see again. I, so I, I think that sometimes we get caught up too much in that codifying, right? In the well, where do they fit on this laying, particular yeah. matrix? What is it that they do? And I think one of the things that transcends about The Replacements is there were moments where they were one of the shittiest bar bands you've <laughs> ever heard in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, barely holding it together, but somehow you couldn't take your eyes off them, right? And then at their most eloquent, they were as powerful a balladeer band as a merle haggard right i mean it, it cover it covers the whole spectrum and not every band is obligated to do that but not every band's the replacements but also not every band's material issue i think there's a reason they stand out real rock and roll But but pop smarts, man, I think I think that we've lost this thing that certainly among a certain age demo. When you call somebody a pop band, they immediately think you're talking about Dua Lipa, right? Or that you're talking. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like this beautiful, gorgeous pop structure. And I don't know how far back you go. I mean, Rick Bank, who you brought up earlier, he and I did a whole pop music uh, episode of the show one time. I mean, do we go back to the Raspberries? Do we go back to the Beatles? Yeah. It it, it doesn't really matter who you put in there, but you know it when you hear it, right? Okay. I mean, there's this beauty to it. Before we go any further and talk any more, I want to hear another song. I hate going too long without hearing another song. I don't know a lot about Help Me Land or this particular record, so I'm asking you to let me know before we talk more about the movie and the premiere tonight and, and what we're going to do. Okay, this is... Uh... Uh, freak city soundtrack right yep yeah
3: um this is our third record and in my opinion this is the record that really uh where our sound really solidified and we started coming together as a a really a really well-oiled fucking kick-ass unit more than international pop overthrow sorry elaborate more on your earlier question about you know the the power pop thing Uh, we were we were, we put the, I was 18 when I joined the band. Jim was 21. Wow. Ted was 18. Uh, at our first rehearsal, Jim was asking Ted, how do I, how do I make a C minor? <laughs> all right. And, 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 uh, and, and, you know, I had, you know, I, we all kind we kind of all knew how to play, but we kind of didn't. So <laughs> we, learned, magic, we learned, we right? learned, we learned together and, and that's really, I think, vital, uh, with any band that, that, that is uh, good enough to to get to, to develop a sound that is recognizable. And I think that comes about organically more than calculated. It's just like, it's just kind of, you start to sound, you, you know, we're, we're with each other all the time and we're talking about what we're doing all the time and just the three of us. So when things started to, to come together and gel and the sound of the band, uh, that was borrowed from blueprints that were just kind of like, oh, I love this thing you know that cheap tricks doing here or this thing that off Body's doing here and then a band that we learned about uh together big star mm. who uh you know we we didn't know we didn't you know n- know anything about that in fact we learned about big star through teenage fan club because they were getting compared to big star and i dated a uh, i was dating a, a, a northwestern uh, college radio dj at the time and she turned me on to all all kinds of stuff like that that i was kind of showing to the band um uh, like the rain parade, um, and all the Paisley Parks, uh, Paisley uh, underground, underground stuff. No, we, uh, if we go Paisley Underground, <laughs> we're going to be here for the next yeah. four hours. but it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, we were we were like, yeah, let's be a power pop re- revisionist revivalist band. <laughs> we were also into the mod thing too, you mm-hmm. know, the Jam, um, and that. But, oh, I can tell. Yeah. I've seen the band's haircuts. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. I know how it was working. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's really flattering to. Um, Come out, out, come out on the other end of it after all these years, and to, and to get those kinds of compliments, like you just, like you just said, that's really
0: a, quite a compliment to say that. This would be material issue. Help me land on the Brian Oak Show. Heavy- I'll accept that technically, at that point, your acumen may have been higher, <laughs> and that that songwriting is exceptional, and that was that was beautiful, that was gorgeous, that was pinnacle stuff. Gets you right away. That's but, what I love about that. But and it ended beautifully. It like left you at the pinnacle. You're like we were done. We were. I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not done. But I mean, you know, it, that's why I like the insider's perspective. That's why I like to talk to someone who's involved with an actual band. So now. Balen, I want to get back to you as the director of this film, Out of Time. You're dealing with the arc of a very cool band, right, from the upper Midwest. You're dealing with a band that's obviously growing, and you get to pay attention and have access to all this incredible stuff throughout the course of their career. But then it's also your job to somehow articulate, and I don't want to dive too deep into it. I want to leave that up to the film, and I don't really like to dig into people's personal lives, the passing of Jim Ellison, right? I mean, he takes his own life uh, when this band is essentially at its zenith, right? And this is a horrific and undescribable circumstance, but you as a filmmaker have been entrusted with telling that important part of the story. How do you think about that? How do you approach something that that sort of epic?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the most dark uh, and hard part. Um, I think I, like, approached it just kind of as, like, treating it as historical, but then also just, like, letting everybody who was interviewed tell their subjective part of it to kind of make make an objective um, story from it, like, kind of using emotion to drive that part and just leaving that alone. Um, But certainly there was, like, you know, obvious, you know, losing the record deal and stuff like that that were just historically just, I, I left left alone, so...
0: And so, I mean, like, there were parts that you literally walked around. And that's, um, that's not that's not judging you. I'm just trying to ask, like... No, I, mean, I just think... There, there's, so much, there's so much with this band over the course of its history. I just wonder, you know, like, some things you barge right into the room. Some things are very easy. And some things are very delicate, man. I mean... No, I don't think...
2: You, know, don't I, want, you know, I mean... We just, didn't... Uh, there was a lot of crying. No, there was definitely a lot of... I cried. Um, a lot of the people I interviewed cried no it was definitely we didn't leave it alone i just um like i i very much left the um interviewees the ability to tell their story it wasn't as much of like you know if we were talking about the second album there was heavy questioning and specifics and stuff whereas with with jim's death i just kind of you know it's their personal thing Mm -hmm. and a lot of times people would just run with it and talk so it was less of um kind of having to have a discussion and more of them talking to me if that makes sense
1: you didn't have to push it in some direction you just kind of let it flow and let them tell uh, the story. exactly yeah.
2: yeah it was uh you know like there were certain ways i wanted to frame you know the second album and the third album right because there's specifics there that it's a part of the arc but yeah within the with jim's death it was just kind of um i let the people who experienced it frame it how they wanted to
0: so, Mike, I want to ask you, I don't want to ask any specifics or particulars about Jim's passing, but I do want to ask, you know, obviously you live in the very wide and turbulent wake of how that went down, right? Um, and so you're like, oh, we're in a band that was starting to make things happen, and maybe now those things aren't going to happen. When you started to look forward and recover, you know, whatever form that takes, I wouldn't pretend to understand, but when you start to recover and look towards the rest of what's coming up for you, what did you start to think about what your life might look like post, I mean, obviously material issue is still a thing, but at the time there was no way to know that. What did you start to think about your life post material issue? Uh, well, uh, we were both blown sideways and
3: um, just had everything. Here's here's someone like you spend like a brother you know you spend mm. spent so much time with them and at that point you know we were having some success and uh you know i bought a house we all bought houses and jim's house like three blocks from my house mm-hmm. and his girlfriend at the time was a friend of my girlfriend and then there's this group of friends that you know other musicians and this whole family and you know uh um so it's not just people in the band you know it's uh so this whole so he's he's, he's gone um i know personally my thing was like i don't even want to like uh play i don't want to do a gig i don't want i don't want to talk to anybody in the record business i don't want right. to talk to any of these fucking assholes not that they're all assholes just i didn't want to i didn't want to like there's a I lot. Didn't of them. Wanna, yeah, and I just didn't. There's, you know, it's it's a business, and and you have, to, and, and when you're in that business, you have any business, you, um, uh, you know, you have to deal, you have to deal with people that are not genuine. Uh, it's not just the music business, but uh, I was just like, okay, well, now I don't have to see, I don't have to like, you know, try to convince. Uh, people at the label that were good or the, or that the single is good. Just that part of the business where, um, uh, it, you know, I, and I just was like, I'm not going to do anything. So I didn't for like a year. Um, and then it just kind of sunk in that it's just like, okay, well, that's not really a plan. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's right. just like, and, and Jim's not coming back. And it's not like we can just say, fuck it. We'll just start over. Cause you know, we don't have the, 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 you know, our biggest, uh, asset with us. And, um, there was, uh, you know, just, there was talk about getting, uh, getting a replacement him, and we never decided to break up. It was just kind of like, well, we're just not going to do this. And then, and then I started eventually doing, getting really busy around Chicago. I went out to LA for a while to look for some work and got a little bit, um, and then i just i found myself uh, like a year after like playing in like six bands and playing like almost every night uh so that and and and, uh just kind of there was in a band called the ladies and gentlemen uh and we put out a couple of really good records and uh we were doing like touring we're just kind of starting starting a band over or starting a band from scratch Mm -hmm. and uh and when My you plan? say we, was it you and Ted? Were you no? Both- Ted, Ted wasn't involved. We okay. didn't. Ted and I didn't. Ted and I really didn't work together until uh, until we decided doing
0: shows again about ten years ago. So tell me about that before we hear another material issue song. Tell me like so. You get back together, right? And again, I don't want to rob any thunder from the film, obviously, but you start getting back together. I mean, like at some point, you have to get after all the trauma, after all the drama, after. Really, the unforeseen that no one could have seen, and it literally changed the nature of everything. You decided to get back together. What are those earliest conversations like?
3: Well, it came, it, it, it basically came about because it, back in 2011, uh, the 20th anniversary of the release of International Pop Overthrow, Universal owns the rights to that recording, reissued, remastered, reissued international pop overthrow 20th anniversary cd with like additional photos and liner notes and things like that uh we weren't involved at all no one even contacted us they just did it and they did it yeah i know they just did it. And, it and they did a nice job they did a good job uh so you don't we, have to say that we're all friends right <If laughs> yeah. they, no, they really up. did they if really they did do it a good up, job. you can say they and it's it good up. and it's all it's, right. it's good right. if, uh uh but uh and then it, it kind of dawned on me i was just like oh well we have material to promote, I guess, you know, um, and this guy, David Bash out in L.A. does a, a, a festival called International Pop Overthrow Festival, and he's pretty much worldwide. I know he does does it in Minneapolis. And um, he asked us if we wanted to play. Uh, so it was kind of it kind of it, it kind of came together at the same time. Uh, and and um, we weren't comfortable with coming back as material issue because we only plan on doing one show. And frankly, Ted and I were talking about it, we were like, well, what if nobody shows up that would suck oh, we, okay. we actually were that were that insecure about it. We we're just like right. oh, the van's been I don't you know the has been ten more than ten years, and like I don't know I mean what it you know and it turned out we, we we uh we decided to call it material reissue since it was a reissue and we put that clever thing together like pretty that good, and, yeah pretty good. Uh, and um uh it was a huge success with line around the block it sold out in like three days and uh jim's parents were there and it was just this mm. really wonderful thing it was really just awesome and really helped uh to um for my for me to uh uh, uh uh to kind of close some wounds that were just like left unattended mentally that i just just refused to uh to deal with i probably should have been, went to therapy a few years oh. afterward because i really was having a hard time with it um but um and uh the, the we did we did the one show and then we got offers to do other shows and uh since then we've been doing like two shows a year um is that
0: does that feel like enough Does it make you happy to it, do a couple of shows it, a
3: year it does it does like and you don't want to
0: go back out there and do 45 shows in the coming year I, I or don't anything think, like that. i mean
3: we would if the demand was there yeah. you know and it, and if it made sense we to, you know
0: i would i you know um
3: i i have the resources to be able to go and do that uh you know if if, if we were you know but it comes down to practicality we have to make money and you know mm-hmm. so of course it so, does. but when you I, say
0: you have the resources
3: do you mean like russian plutonium uh, you know what You're talking. no about? i work i work for myself so and, okay, and i work I for myself and, and, and i'm able to you know i'm it's not like i'm married to like a, a job that i've had for the past 20 years and i don't i don't have Lucky kids you. ted ted ted's a bit more invested he has three kids they're all grown up now but uh it, it was just the logistics of that as you know being in our 50s now is it's not like you know when we were 18 we we're just jump in the van and sleep uh, sleep in the van on the streets of New York, you
0: know? Oh, God, that sounds terrible. I, <laughs> in the words of my dear friend Mary, when I get out of my comfortable bed in the morning, I sound like someone throwing a skeleton down the stairs. <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit more to Mike Zelenko here shortly, as well as director uh, Balin Schneider, uh, about the film that's going to be aired this evening, but you'll be able to watch more of it, com. But we're going to hear one more song. Actually, we're still going to hear two sound more. unseen. What did I say? Unscreened. sound to do is the new <laughs> name for it. Soundunseen.com is what we're looking at here. We're actually going to hear two more songs because no one picked the best song the band ever did, so I picked it to round out the show. But this time right here, we're going to hear next big thing, material issue on The Brian Oak Show. Material issue.
1: city's ninety. Oh, you almost did it. You almost said the call letters.
0: The it's call sign. The Brian Oak Show. <laughs> Sorry, man. I. I it's mm. been a. Long, well, you got three jobs. You could have said, said I, anything. I could. It really, could have been anything. Like, uh, hey, uh, mill City Sound. May I help you? <laughs> um, no, it is the Brian Oak Show podcast episode two hundred and four. Wow, time to wrap things up and time for me to get some real sleep. The director of the film, Out of Time, the material issue story, uh, is with us now, Balen Schneider. So in addition to having access to all this archival footage and the surviving members of the band, you have to decide, how am I going to fill in the blanks? How am I going to help populate the rest of the story, right? And you talk to a pretty wild array of characters, up to and including Steve Albini, how do you decide, who do I need to help fill in the blanks on this story, or... Who do I need to help amplify the points I'm trying to make in this story? Where do you even begin with something like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was really hard, especially there's a lot of people that were close to the band or that I wanted to interview that we just couldn't because, you know, we had like 30, 40 people. But um, like certain people like Albini, you know, he's famous in Chicago and he's an intellectual. Well, very, <laughs> but I mean,
0: was he down? Was he cool to talk about yeah. the band?
2: No, he's one of the, probably the best interviews. One of, he's, you
0: know... Well, there's no question that guy's intelligent yeah. and very insightful and a crucial part of the development of music in that area over that mm-hmm. period. I've just also heard he can be a little prickly.
2: No, he was definitely really cool about the band. I mean, I think he had a lot of respect for the band. I mean, like, everybody loves Material Issue because they were, you know, such good hustlers. And, like, certainly I think Albini admired that. Um, right. And that was that was a lot of what he said, too. And, you know, he knew Jim, I mean, as, like, friends, not as, like, um, you know, but... Definitely from a different scene, but I think that um, that helped, you know, kind of show the contrast of, like, Albini's scene versus, you know, material issues scene, so.
0: As a director, I also ask this about producers and musicians whenever they come by. How is it possible that you have any idea when to say when, right? I mean, like, at some point you reach exhaustion, right? But you are telling a story you are constantly trying to track down interviews you are working with editors you are constantly reviewing footage and it like it, 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 at some point you're like i've just got to be done with this fucking thing right i mean like yeah. how do you how do you know when you're done um I mean, I I would love to never be done. <laughs> right. I'm like i like I'm still like... Like any studio rat, they just want to keep fucking with it all the <laughs> exactly. time. Exactly, yeah. No, there's still stuff
2: where I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to watch that tonight. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but certainly, I mean, I feel like probably the driving force was just like licensing, took a while. Um, but then just also, you know, like editing and re-editing and finding new stuff. There would always be things where like we'd have a section edited and then something would come you know from obscurity and we'd want to put it in so that kind of thing
0: but, but, it, but at some point you have to just fucking sign off and be like yeah the, and here's the finished product
2: yeah that was about two weeks ago <laughs>
0: okay well good for you you so, did it you yeah. did it are you excited about the future so you've, you've got this in the can it's obviously being very well received what, do you have have you been formulating something else in your brain that you're thinking about for the immediate future or are you just sinking your teeth into this for right now
2: no, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to start working on, on uh, like, a, a three, another three-year music talk, and then a series, I think, too.
0: Okay, go on. A little taste.
2: <laughs> the, uh, I want to do, uh, like, a young, he's a young hyper-pop artist. That's all I can say. Hyper-pop but he's also signed to Universal,
0: so. Okay, well, I'll try to figure out what the fuck Hyperpop is between now and the next time that we talk. I appreciate that. Is that like Chipmunk Punk? Uh, oh, <laughs> Hyperpop? Yeah, totally. It's a it little either. more like <laughs> Disco Duck, but I, I heard it. we'll either. get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike Zelenko, drummer for Material Issue. Before we let you go, uh, obviously Material Issue is back. Even if it's just a couple times a year, people still are very excited. You have a hometown show coming up in the not-too-distant future. Yes, we do, and so does Balin.
3: Uh, we're going to, uh, uh, at uh, Lincoln Hall in Chicago, December 2nd, Thursday, December 2nd, um, the film is going to be shown out of time, uh, you know, to uh, uh, a seated audience, and then they're going to turn over the venue, take the seats out, and we're going to do our set live. Um and there are still tickets available for the live portion to see us just the just the band play. The 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 uh the film part is sold out, but there are still tickets available. That sounds a little bit
0: like a wedding changeover. They're mm-hmm. like everyone please step outside and have a cigarette or grab some appetizers. We're removing the seats and then you can come back in and skank your heart away <laughs> to material issues. Yeah,
3: that's that that's a great uh, that's a great way to, to describe it, yeah.
0: Interesting. Right. There's no chicken dance before we, oh, not that you know of. You're not true. there yet. That's are true. you? Now, that's true. The future is unwritten, Sean. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, one last quick thanks to our latest sponsor, Forgotten Star Brewing, located in Fridley, Minnesota, right on the border of Minneapolis and Fridley. They've got a beautiful, mid-century well frankly world war ii manufacturing facility that they've transformed into a state-of-the-art brewery they have good beer there. not art beer they have good beer there they are dog friendly inside and out they've got performance spaces inside and out and they're just normal comfortable regular people because one of the things i love and by love i mean hate about going out is when you sit around you're like oh these assholes You'll yeah. never feel that way once at Forgotten Star Brewing. No.
1: Great venue, great location, great natural light uh, this winter when you can't stand being in the house anymore and you want to be able to...
0: Well, anywhere between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., yeah, great that, natural light. Yeah, that window, light. that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, Just own the right. fucking
1: sunshine during that time.
0: <laughs> Forgottenstarbrewing.com. We got to call it, but uh, Balin and Mike, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. I know that these kind of promotional things can be... Tedious, to say the very least, and I've done everything in my power to reinforce that notion, uh, and I played all the songs you picked, but none of you picked the song, and I know that it might not be the most inventive or interesting or deep cut from the catalog But it's by far my favorite, right? And the thing I've learned about arts, whether we are talking about, man, that's a damn good sandwich, or this is a brilliant fucking song, we don't get to pick what we love. So, Sean, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Anything that we've talked about, by the way, about Sound Unseen that you don't catch right now, you still have days to catch up on, provided you live in Minnesota or Texas. I had a friend from South Dakota listen to a uh, podcast like, why can't I watch these fucking movies? I'm like, why don't you live in a better state? Good point. I mean, let's be honest, soundunseen.com, you can li- learn about the entire lineup, and there's still great stuff, so if you can't make it tonight, you can watch it for days to come. Uh, again, Balin and Mike, thank you very much.
3: Thank it, you. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. All right, you. very good. And again, I'm not saying they're wrong, because they know much more about the band than I do, <laughs> but this is actually the best material issue song.